0: Welcome to the Briggs & Veselka Podcast. Join our partners as we take a deep dive into growing your business and building a financial foundation that benefits your employees, clients, and vendors. The Briggs & Veselka Podcast is brought to you by your podcast team, where having your own podcast is as easy as being a guest on ours. Find out more at yourpodcast.team. Now here's your host, Ryan
1: Gore. Hello and welcome to the Briggs & Veselka podcast. My name is Ryan Gore, and today we are joined by Sheila Enriquez and David Spray. Sheila, needing no introduction, is the CEO and managing partner of Briggs & Veselka, and David Spray is a former CPA and the founder and president of Export Advisors Incorporated, a consulting firm that specializes in the ICDISC tax savings program. Before founding Export Advisors, Mr. Spray served as the CFO for a privately held company in Houston, and later served as the Director of Business Development for a Houston-based CPA firm. In this episode, they will both discuss growth within Briggs & Veselka, as well as the challenging era as Sheila Enriquez took over as CEO and managing partner within the firm. Please enjoy the episode and look forward to more episodes as they come out.
2: Hi. My name is David Spray, your guest host for the first episode of the Briggs & Basalka podcast. My guest today is Sheila Enriquez, the managing partner and CEO of the firm. Sheila is not only a CPA, she's also an attorney. And on a more personal note, she's one of the most impressive people I've ever met. Yet, despite her success, she is also one of the nicest and most gracious people I've ever met. Good morning, Sheila. How are you today?
0: Hi, David. I'm well, thank you, and I appreciate the kind words, and I'm so looking forward to this conversation.
2: That is great. Well, let's get started. So why don't you tell me a bit about the firm, its history, and uh, your role?
0: Sure, sure. And, and you know, um, you'll have to stop me if I get too long because I just get really passionate about the firm. So Briggs & DeSelka, <laughs> DeSelka is the largest independent firm in Houston. We are, uh, we are a 47 year old firm and, um, founded by Johnny Visaka and Mr. Mel Briggs in 1973. And as, as a CPA firm or a full service firm that actually has all of the, uh, typical services that you see in CPA firms, tax, audit, um, but then we also have expanded consulting services that tie into, um, The financial consulting that we provide to our clients. We now have offices in not just in Houston, which is where we're headquartered, but we also have offices now in Austin and the Woodlands. And we also have an office in El Campo, Texas, which is about an hour, 15 minutes from Houston. And we've had that office for over a decade. And so, um, we, we are excited about the future. We feel like there's a place for a firm like us that are more geared towards entrepreneurs, but also with our expanded consulting services where we're able to serve even larger organizations.
2: Okay. Yeah, thank you for that, uh, for that summary. Uh, So, talk to us about uh, your role. What do you do as the uh, managing partner and CEO?
0: Uh, sure. I, I actually took over about three years ago now as the managing partner CEO of the firm. And so in my role, I I help and lead the um, strategic vision of the firm in terms of our growth strategy. And I'm also very heavily involved in the people side of the business in terms of developing and um, training people, uh, future leaders of the firm and working with the partners in building their business plans within each of their practice areas. And so largely for me, the day to day, really it revolves around making sure that we're executing on our strategic goals, but then also looking, always looking at the long view and making sure that we're staying on top of the trends in our industry. And um, a big part of what I do as well is change management because we're in this world now of disruption. And so, Change is, is is the one thing that's constant as you know with any business um, in addition to managing the firm i still continue to serve clients specifically in the audit side as well as um, i lead our litigation support valuation practice which is a uh, uh, near and dear to me because that is one practice that i had started in the firm about a decade ago and seeing it flourish and grow is, is a big um, just a big point of pride and i'm, I'm very very um, happy that we have built a uh, a good number of people now in the team that will just help continue to grow that practice.
2: No, I, I can I can imagine why you are uh, pleased with the progress of that. Um, that's a great uh, additional service for the firm. So why don't we talk a bit, uh, let's drill down a little bit uh, to a little bit more about your background. So uh, are you a native Houstonian?
0: No, um, I actually, um, I came as fast as I can, but um, I'm not a native Houstonian. I actually moved here from New England, from uh, Providence area, about 15 years ago now, it seems like yesterday. Uh, But I I grew up in the Philippines. I I actually was born and raised in the Philippines. And so um, I only came to the United States in 1992 to pursue and finish my associate's degree in business uh, through a scholarship program that actually allowed me to study in Japan for a year and a half prior to coming to the United States. And it's through a theater school of state university of New York, Sullivan County community college, which um, was a great experience just in terms of uh, initial exposure to um, studying in the United States. So it took me a while to get here, but we love it here. It, it's um, we are now Estonians.
2: That's uh, that's great. So I, um uh, where uh, what made you decide on the accounting profession?
0: Oh, uh, that, that's actually a, a story of serendipity. Uh, I, I was, um, as I had shared earlier, I received my associate's degree from SUNY SDCC. And then um, luckily I was able to get another scholarship to attend Mercy College in Westchester, New York to pursue my four-year degree in business administration, focusing on management. Um, And by the way, my husband, Jose, also um, was one of the 10 students that came to the U.S., and and we've been married now. Our anniversary is coming up, actually, in a few days, May 6th. But um, he and I both got a scholarship to attend Mercy College. He ended up pursuing accounting, but I ended up pursuing management, uh, really around human resources, so HR management, and okay. it so happened. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit of a long story, but uh, but I think um, one that will probably um, show just how fate and luck kind of go hand in hand. But um, my last semester, spring semester of um, I believe it was 1994, I had um, remaining credits to get an, to get my electives, So three credits of electives, And I decided to. Ask if I can pursue a graduate credit quantitative analysis, um, and I, I needed to speak to the dean of the graduate program of Long Island University, that happened to be on the same campus as Mercy College, so they had a joint partnership um, to, to be, you know, to, to have to have um, LIU have that MBA program in the campus. So, um, long story short, I, I went ahead and talked to the dean Wayne Shafari about the possibility of getting the um, the three-credits graduate class, and he, in that conversation, actually um, recommended and he highly encouraged me to pursue my accounting degree and sit for the CPA exam because um, I had to bring my blue sheet, blue sheet. I don't know if you know that, but it's the one where you have all of your grades. It's like your transcript that shows all your grades, and I happen sure. to have a 4.0 4. GPA, and he he asked me um, if if I would be interested in serving as a graduate assistant for him working 20 hours a week in exchange for full scholarship to attend the MBA program after I graduate uh, because he started, he was ahead of his time. He started what he called a four plus one MBA CPA program. So it was the five-year okay. program. Yeah, so the equivalent of a PPA that we now have um, in yeah. many schools. And and this was before the advent of the 150 credits. Um, It it was just starting, you know, for you to be able to sit for the CPA exam. And so that was serendipity for me, for sure, because I was on a student visa. So after graduation, I would have needed to find an employer to sponsor me for my working visa or had to go back um, to the Philippines. And so um, it really just changed my whole trajectory because through Wayne, I was able to continue my scholarship with Mercy to pursue my public accounting degree while at the same time taking MBA classes. So if you look at my resume, it's always a point of question when people see it. I finished my undergraduate in May of 96 and got my MBA degree in September of 96. And then I sat for this (laughs) in November of 96, which I passed and got the results in February. Of, you know, of 97. So it really, it was one of those, I tell people that I mentor all the time, be open to the opportunities because you just don't know what door is going to open for you and just yeah. kind of be on the lookout. But that's how I became a CPA. And now I'm like so passionate talking about it because this profession has been incredibly good to me and the firm, you know, they're they're intertwined, right? And the CPA profession, the firm... I just absolutely love this profession and, it, and I'm happy to share with you, David. I, I don't know when we last spoke, but my oldest 18 year old is also going to pursue business now and, and he's told me that he's going to pursue accounting. He just um, got accepted to UT McCombs. So, oh, that's so, awesome. Yes, yeah, so continuing the legacy, so to speak. Um, I hope that he likes it. But, but yeah, I'm just, I talk to a lot of students about the CPA profession because of the degree of flexibility and opportunities and just um, also the ability to make a difference at the end of the day,
1: Mm -hmm. you know, to our
0: clients, to our people, to the community. It's just really a wonderful, wonderful profession.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. And as an alumnus of the University of Texas, I would say he made a very good choice. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> it
0: was it was a close call because um his um, dream university has always been UCLA. So if you had asked him when he was in middle school and high school, it was always UCLA and he did get accepted to UCLA. So it came down to UT McCombs and UCLA, but he decided to stay in Texas. So I'm very grateful as a mom <laughs> that he decided to do that.
2: Sure, I bet you are. Well, and I didn't realize about your uh about your uh, shift in your uh, academic path. And so it's really kind of a, a full circle, isn't it? Because you started off in with your focus in management and HR. And I right. bet in your job today, you really are doing more management and HR than you are accounting, right? Oh, no or
0: question. No question. And, and actually, I, I have to say, even in the beginning of my career, because if you think about different clients that you deal with, it, it really um it really helped me having that training around human resources and organizational behavior. And um, I always say that this role, this being the managing partner and CEO never in my wildest dreams would I have thought I would, I would accomplish this. Um, But at the end of the day, when I look at the things that I do on a day-to-day basis, all the experiences that I've had, because I, I did have opportunity to work at a couple of organizations, including visiting nurse services in Westchester, New York, as an HR assistant, um, all of that experience and all the training I've gotten has really, you know, helped me in running the firm. And and even my legal degree, you know, um, which I had pursued afterwards, has, has come j- just a tremendous, tremendous resource, you know, that I, I kind of, um I'm grateful for. You know, I, I always joke about the whole attorney and counselor uh, law, it's the counselor part, I think that I I tend to, right. I tend to leverage, <laughs> but yes, the, yeah. the people part is, is key because we are a people business. And it, it, at the end of the day, the thing, the thing that is most fulfilling to me is the fact that I do deal with our associates and our clients every day and seeing them grow, seeing them succeed. it is just very gratifying for me.
2: Yeah. I, I can, I can hear it in the, the passion in, in your voice. So going back a few years, so you've been managing partner and CEO for about three years. How far back did the f- idea first uh, uh, come up in your head that you might actually be able to attain uh, such a position? As you said, you never imagined in your wildest dreams. But I'm um, guessing there was yeah. a time more than more than a day before you were elected.
0: To, right.
2: <laughs> uh, to be managing partner that it probably started to donor do you remember about how far back it was that that idea first oh
0: i uh, it's very clear to me stuff? it's very very clear to me when that happened and and I credit John Flatowitz, whom you know he is that he was the managing partner of our firm prior to to me taking over and he still is a partner at the firm and he has he's really been my mentor throughout the years and and one thing about John is he has created so many opportunities for so many people in the firm. And, and I worked closely with him when I first started with the firm 15 years ago on jobs. And I really learned from him the idea of surrounding yourself with the best people and and empowering and, um, you know, um, just allowing people to grow and flourish. And I'm, I'm one of the beneficiaries. And there are so many in the firm that were the products of his, um, just his, um, his, his. Uh, what do you call guidance, right? And mentorship, but it was really mm-hmm. him, you know, um, it was a probably 2017 timeframe. Now, now I was on the executive committee at the time and certainly already part of the, you know, the um, the team that was thinking about the strategy for the firm. And I did a lot around um, the people side of things, right? Training, mentoring. I also handled many of the complex um, audits that we do public company audits, larger audits around um, specific industries. And then, of course, leading the litigation support practice, which at the end of the day, that was a um, great training for me in, in understanding how to build a practice and how to motivate and how to build your team you know, um, in, mm-hmm. in terms mm-hmm. of, of managing those, those practice areas. But it really, it was John you know, who came to me and said, I think you're the right person, he says to me one day, you know, to, to um, take over. And I mean, you can talk to him and, and he, cause he can probably share with you what my face looked like when he said that, <laughs> because I certainly did not expect it. And I even asked him, I was like, I- I'm not sure, you know, like that I, I would even know where to begin. And, um, so, so it took me a while, to be honest, David, to, to get my head wrapped around the idea of, of managing the firm. Because at this point, you know, we were, I think we were about 30 million in revenues and, we were actually, um, we only had two, two offices, then, Houston and El Campo, but looking to, to grow, you know, and continue to grow. And under John's leadership, we tripled in size. And so, um, I just felt like I wasn't equipped, you know, and, and by the way, mm-hmm. I was carrying a large book of business, you know, and, and leading sure. a an, uh, growing practice of litigation. So it took a lot of, um, self discovery and discernment and and sort of a lot of prayer and a lot you know I I my faith is what really carries me throughout everything that's happened in my life up to this point and so a lot of prayer a lot of um discernment as to what my purpose truly is and so um with John's guidance and and also he promised me that he was going to be there with me <laughs> you know as we transition it was supposed to be a two year transition by the way and you know, um, I think um, fate just intervened again where I had to take over in 2018, July of 2018. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I, I think what really compelled me to pursue it was um, I wanted to share my vision of where I think the firm can go. And, um, and, okay. and you know, I hadn't had a chance to talk to you a, a lot about the firm just yet, but maybe this is a good place as Annie to talk about it. I just saw this tremendous gift, you know. That Johnny, Mr. Briggs, you know, they started with Steve and John Fladowitz, Steve Awalt, John Fladowitz, Gary Trocta, Charlie Weller, Melissa Morgan, Mark Shaw. I'm hoping I'm not missing anyone, but you know, the senior partners, right? That are the foundation. Right,
1: right.
0: Found, and you, you've worked with them, you know, because we've worked with. We've had the privilege of working with you at some point too, and. I think it was really just that um, recognition that we have this amazing firm that um, at this point was 44 years old, you know, and um, great reputation, largest independent firm in Houston, third largest in the Southwest, you know, culture beyond what I could even hope for. You know, that's people focused, you know, very inclusive um, clients that have been with the firm for years. But one thing about the partners, they have always been very forward thinking. And John in particular has always been very forward thinking about what else can we do beyond the core? And we value our core services, our tax and audit. That's our bread and butter. That, that is a, will continue to be an important, you know, um, part of our firm. But there was also a recognition at the time that I was thinking about running that it's a changing world. We are being disrupted by sure. technology, by innovation, by change, and and so you know at at that time, David, I, I was on the executive committee, but I haven't run a department. You know, I haven't. You know, um, it's one of those things where my experience was really more outside of the firm because um, I, I was just finishing up my term as president of, president of the Houston CPA Society, which there's so much parallel to you know to Mm -hmm. to that experience right because at the end of the day you're managing members you know on part that are that are you're gonna for me it was i felt like i needed to shepherd the firm through a change so so uh, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: i've shared this with many people when i look at the firm and how it's evolving you know with johnny that was our formative years you know from infancy right to you know maybe when we're preteen right and because right. that's when we're, we're forming our culture. And Johnny, if you haven't met him, I love Johnny. It, he just is the most down to earth person you could ever meet. You know, that smile on his face when you see him, it just lights up the room, you know. And I just have a such true Southern. Uh,
2: yeah, a true Southern gentleman.
0: Oh, yes, yes, yes. And, and, you know, I'm getting emotional even thinking about it because, you know, he still comes to our events and, you know, um, he, he really has, has, um, embedded you know that culture about putting people first and then you have John you know who who also also he had started our audit practice from scratch right and and has been that visionary yeah. of, of growth and you know just really if you meet John he is he has he's got this some um, can do like nothing will stop him right he's just going to keep going and, and 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 he is just so dedicated to the firm and so I, I knew I had big shoes to fill. And, and I look at John and he shepherded us through our growth spurt, you know, where well, we grew threefold under his leadership. And I call that the teenage years, you know?
2: Right, right. <laughs> you know, I
0: have, you know, um, and I've got an 18 year old and I've got an 11 year old. So I kind of understand the growth spurt that happens and all the, all the hormones and all of the, um, discovery, right? That, that happens. Right. And, and the tension, you know, that, that comes with it. And, and then I felt like there's this opportunity now if I were to take this on and if it was meant for me to shepherd the firm to adulthood, so to speak, right? Of like, mm-hmm. now we're 18. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to figure out, okay, um, we've been given this amazing gift. How do we set it up so that we continue to scale? Because with growth comes pain. And I think the one thing that I realized being on the executive committee is we needed to reset and realign and rethink. Like, where do we want? To, where do we go from here? And how do we put the things in place in order to grow the right way? And so, um, and so that's sort of the whole premise of my presentation to the partners when I when I ran for for managing partner is to not so much what I've done because. You know, um, arguably, you know, I probably was still considered a newbie because, um, from a tenure perspective, I've only been with the firm at that point, I believe 12 years, which, you know, if you've met our partners, you know, partners that have been here 25, 30, 40, you know, a lot of, um, right. more tenured partners than, than, than me. But at the same time, my passion for the firm and my passion for the profession really helped me see the picture of where we can take the firm with the changing landscape of the CPA profession that revolved around service lines, industry, technology, innovation, people, right? And can we get ahead of it? Can we get in front of it? And that was my, that was my presentation was essentially to say, look, we can, we can do this. We can we can grow not for growth's sake, but because it provides more opportunities for our people, and because if we expand our services, it provides more solutions for our clients. And then, but also being very, very um, clear about what I believe we needed to do to get there. Because it's one thing to say, we like. I remember my presentation was I wanted to be. We, we, I believe we could be 100 million from 30 million mm-hmm. in 10 years, and I believed it. You know, because we've done it, right? We 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 grew through threefold over eight years, and we um, when right. it comes to change, we've proven that we can change for the times. We've gone from paper to paperless. You know, we've expanded into other niche areas at this point, and and so I I really believe that we can do it. And so just being able to memorialize it and articulate it and get people to imagine it with me was how I approached it. So, um, and, and that was a, an amazing yeah, experience awesome. to begin with. Yeah. And, and, and for me, it was, it was a great experience to stand in front of the partner group and show them, right? My vision, um, that, that I believe what we can do. And then I presented this, um, video. I don't know if you've seen it. It's called Change Squared. It talks about just how, how fast change is happening. And this was in 2017, David, August of 2017. Right, right. And of course, like little did you pandemic. know little did you know yeah.
2: the change that was coming
0: I mean, I mean, just even more than what we had experienced, and so I think it's it's in that presentation when i have when when I then received you know feedback from the partners saying, you know, oh, you know that that's a really great way of like presenting it and and where we could take it, you know now, of course um i I can't blame you know, um some people that might look at that and, and, and say, well, that's, that's too aggressive. You know, I, I called it my hat, big hairy audacious goal. I don't know if you've read yeah. good to great, but you know, yes, I it, it, it's, yeah. So it's one of those things where I was like, Let, let's put it out there. Right. And that's, that's our, and again, not growth for growth's sake, but growth because it's what would allow us to continue to provide those opportunities, you know, for, those that are coming um, after me, for instance. And and then also that yeah. idea of being truly a Texas firm that will be in different offices. And so, so that really was where I started to feel like, okay, you know, um, we, with this strategy, which, by the way, was adopted by the partners the year I was elected, which was great. Um, because that, that yeah, has that because, that's great. now our that is now our five year strategic plan as we speak and we're two years into it and we're we're actually ahead of the curve with what we've put in that place.
1: Is, yeah. That is
2: awesome. Well, I, know, and I just and wanted to tell you I'm sorry, I just wanted to interject and tell you something that so I don't think you know this, but I knew you were going to be managing partner back in about two thousand twelve or two thousand thirteen. And the reason <laughs> I knew that was because, you know, of all the j- the uh, jobs I've had before I started my own company, the my memories of Briggs of the South are the fondest of any of them. And the firm that I keep in the most contact with, and uh, pre-pandemic, your firm had a kind of an annual open house in January of every year. Yes. And that was always yes. the highlight of my January because I was able to reconnect with, you know, so many people I worked with and I've shared clients with. You know, one of those open houses, I think it was like 2013, 2014. I was talking to John in kind of the big room that had the, the, uh, the, where they sliced the beef and, uh, in the old, in the old building. And, yeah. uh, we were just talking and something about, you know, what was John, you know, how much longer was he going to serve and who might be his successor? And he said, Oh, I already know who the successor is going to be. And I'm like, really who? And he goes, you have to promise me you won't tell anybody until it's announced. <laughs> I'm like, okay, fair enough. And he said, Sheila will be the, the managing uh, partner to replace me. And I'm like, wow, that's, you know, I can see that she's, uh, you know, she's got everything it, it takes. And uh, he goes, yeah, he goes, keep it yourself, but that's who the managing partner is going to be. So how about well, I'm glad, that? Isn't that I'm something glad, he I'm knew back he, then?
0: He, yeah. I'm glad he didn't tell me because he would have booked me to no end. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I bet, I bet it, I bet it would have. And that's why I went, I think when he brought the subject up to you, it seems so well thought out because he had already come to that conclusion years earlier. So he was just preparing That's for how best to, to, uh, well, to sell it. Thank,
0: thank you for sharing that because I do remember asking him like, why me, you know, um, because, um, I, I mean, I started as a manager at the firm in 2007, you know, and I came from a much smaller firm in Rhode Island and, you know, this is why I'm so grateful to the firm, right. And talk about opportunities. It's I, I really, I, I my passion for the firm shows when I talk to our, our um, recruits, because I just, I'm living proof of someone that in the right place, right. Um, can thrive and be myself, not be somebody else. Right. And, and pursue right. my passion and, and flourish and succeed and, and, and be recognized. So, but yeah, I mean, That's great. but John has that unc- uncanny talent of being able to, identify you know because he does this all the time he still does it to this day okay. you know like um a young talent and saying this person has got what it takes but the one thing that i also admire with him uh, about john is the fact that he can see through people's weaknesses and flaws mm. because isn't that always the case right it's like we always see the weaknesses but he always sees the strength right. and i just love that about him Um, because yeah, Yeah. I mean, I think I got most of my confidence really from the fact that he believed in me because he loves this firm so much. And I I remember Mm -hmm. thinking at one point, as I was thinking about this role, that John is not going to pick someone that will put this firm at risk (laughs) because he loves it so much. Right, right, You know, um, and Johnny, Johnny ended up endorsing me as well. And so that was huge, like between the two of them. I felt like, okay, this is their baby. <laughs> now, of course, right. So if they didn't think, at that point.
2: yeah. So if they didn't uh, think you could do it, they wouldn't have. They wouldn't have endorsed you. So thus, if they had the confidence in you and they had both done the job already and knew what it took, then it sounds like that gave you the confidence to uh, to accept the opportunity
0: exactly exactly so yeah so i think um and, and in, in a lot of ways just ha- being having john there right throughout that whole process was also um huge for me too because he could he could guide me through the the transition you know um yeah. and, and it gave me that that um ability to just um believe in what we were building continuing to build that is and then yeah and then bringing awesome. the right like, people yeah yeah it's in- really exciting
2: and speaking of, uh, of kind of building, um, I seem to have read recently that you all received some uh, recognition for diversity at the firm. Yes. Yeah, talk to me yes. about uh, the,
0: the diversity of, of the firm. Oh, that is that is really one award. And so we, as you know, we we always um, get the Houston Business Journal's best place to work, which is something that I'm so proud about because it's really our people that vote for that. And so consistently, you know, we, we get it year after year and we, we got it again this year, but then we also received the diversity and business award not too long ago. I think it's only about a month ago. And and that really is, is something that I feel so proud about because when, when I think about diversity, we're very, very lucky first of all, to be in Houston. And this is why I love this city so much. You know, Houston mm-hmm. is known for its diversity. I believe it actually, um, Ended up getting one of uh, getting that honor again this year, being the di- most diverse city, you know, in the United States. And and I think uh, because of that, I think uh, we we have been the beneficiary of a very diverse pool of candidates. So um, we received that award uh, in, in many ways because um, of our inclusive culture. I truly believe this, that um, you know, um, it, it's only been in the last couple of years that we have been formalizing our diversity equity and inclusion initiative in fact we, okay. did, we did a training um last fall we started with the partners on unconscious bias and continuing to kind of build programs in order to foster diversity but my belief personally is that diversity without inclusion creates conflict and this is something that oh. i learned from yeah it's something that i learned from a from um uh, Dr. Robbins, Um his name is Dr. I forget his first name, but I, I heard I heard him speak at a major firm event, AICPA major firm meeting that that has all of the top 85 firms in the nation, kind of meeting the CEOs and COOs, and he was he was our speaker. I think his name's Stephen Robbins. If y'all can look it up, it's, I highly encourage you. But his whole okay. thing is he start with inclusion, and it really hit home with me. Because, um, I mean, I'm, I'm again like a great example of how inclusive the firm is. I started as a manager in audit and, um, was encouraged, you know, to, to participate in not just the jobs that I worked on, but also in making the firm better, making our department better, you know, with Marisa and John. And I, when I started, John was the audit chair and then Marisa took over right. from John. But the empowerment that I received, In being at the table and creating solutions, mentoring, training, you know, um, being able to get involved in the administrative facets of the firm that make a difference. That's inclusion, right? Because it's a recognition of my passion, my skills, and and just giving me that platform to thrive. And I'm just one of hundreds, right, in the firm that that has been a beneficiary of that. So I I truly believe that our inclusive culture has created a very diverse workforce as a result. So um, this is is changing every day, but uh, the last statistics that I saw were 40% diverse, 40% non-white. That's a big number if you compare it to CPA firms, like CPA firms across the nation. the, The profession in general has trouble building diversity for one reason or another. And I think that's because of where we bring our pipeline of students, right? And part of it is, is the image of accountants. We're not really the first choice right. for a high school students. You know? right. um, but I also think that, um, you know, we need to do a better job of, of, um, of going to schools that are historically diverse, you know, and, and telling mm-hmm. them about the, the you know, the, um, the exciting things that are happening in the profession and why they should consider being a cpa but in the firm really 40 percent non-diverse 57 percent women you know um and if, that one if, doesn't
2: if, that one doesn't surprise me let me just stop you there even when i was in school 30 years ago it seemed like all the best accounting students and the most serious accounting students were the were the women it seemed like the guys <laughs> just were still just you know immature and really hadn't gotten their act together and i think uh I think that lead that the the women had in the classroom was insurmountable. I think it's a lost cause now. I think uh, the women are gonna are going to uh, be running this profession for a long time to come.
0: <laughs> well, well, he, here here's the thing though. I, I still think that there's so much work to be done. You know, we're not stopping because um, sure. we, we accomplished where we are, really, because we are that inclusive culture. But now we're formalizing those programs because we're, we're 350 people, you know, when we, when we were 75, right, it's easier because then you can kind of have more of those personal touches. So what we're trying to do is really create more of the um, intentionality in the programs Mm -hmm. in terms of developing, you know, uh, and when I say I actually, it's not just diversity either. It's equity and inclusion, because um, right, I can tell right. you right now that we were 57% women, but I really, we're continuing to work on making sure we're, we're retaining them, right? Because mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a challenge around around um, women and when, when we have families. Like I have two young kids, 18 and 11. And the one thing I so, so um, appreciate about the firm is I never had to miss any important events in my kids' lives because they have always given me the flexibility. And, and that, that I will talk about that all day long, right? Because not all firms can deliver on that. So sure. I think that's how we build a diversity. And, and it's not just about race or gender. It's about culture. We have um, mm-hmm. 21 dialects that we speak in the firm. It's incredible Isn't because that we're something? an international city. Yeah, we're an international city. So as you can imagine with the port and, you know, a lot of we have a Chinese practice. Uh, where we have over 20 Mandarin speaking professionals. We, um, and of course, uh, you know, um, even our, our, um, our Spanish speaking, you know, um, it, it's just really amazing how we're able to build this space. But then also there's the generational aspect of it. There's five generations in the workforce with Gen Z's coming into our profession now. So diversity, right. equity and inclusion to me are, are the, the key things for us because we're in the people business. And the biggest right. challenge of every CPA firm is people retaining, developing, recruiting. Right, that is always the crux of the issue for us. And so um, I think our diversity is something I'm so proud of it. But I would be the first to tell you that it's still a work in progress. And I'm very, very committed, along with our leadership, to continuing that hard work because it's not it's not just because it's good for business. It's the right thing to do. And yep, I think you I, see that I in what's agree. happening around us and it can get very political, but you you don't have to look at it from that landscape, from that lens. Right. You know, um, right. it, for us, it's, um, continuing that work and making sure that we're, you know, that we're, we're really, um, that that inclusion is being, uh, you know, that we're, we're adding to that with intentionality, with the programs that we're putting in place because we, we've got that done. That. So, that
2: is that is that is great and congratulations again on that recognition can you believe how fast the time um has gone i want to with the yeah. remaining few minutes i want to talk a bit about uh the new podcast and so this is the uh first episode of the briggs and the Selka podcast and i was honored to be asked to be uh, uh a guest host uh, on this because i had the opportunity to interview you last year for one of my podcasts, uh, the IC disc show. And, uh, and I guess from that, I guess I did a decent enough job that, uh, that, that the powers that be thought it'd be a great way to have mm-hmm. me kind of kick it off. So, um, so, uh, I'd like to just talk to you about why the firm wanted to, to start a podcast and what, uh, the firm might, uh, try to accomplish. So what are some of your thoughts there?
0: Yeah, and I'm really excited that we're starting this. Um, I feel like it, it's also one of those um, initiatives that will continue to evolve. But for me, I, I feel like it's a great way to communicate to our constituents. And that would be our people, those that are maybe future members of our team, our clients and the community. Because um, mm-hmm. ultimately, you know, th- those are really the people that we serve. And, and I think right. this podcast is going to be a wonderful platform. And also I'd love to really use it as a as a an avenue for us to tell the Briggs and Visalca story because mm-hmm. um you know with the, with the with the time that we had today, there's just so much more right to flesh out and and I feel like sure. I'm not doing it justice just in terms of just the, the you know the um the, be- the the beautiful history of Briggs and Visalca. and I'd love to, interview johnny and interview john and interview marisa you know first first female partner and being able to really showcase the story and memorialize it because we you know my we i'd love to to, um to look back right and years later and say yes you know like these are all the people that helped build brings to salsa and then even highlight some of our clients you know um that, that are doing amazing things within our community and highlight our associates that also are, you know, are are really finding their passion within the firm. And I'm a firm believer. And so many people have heard me say this, and it's going to sound like a, I'm going to sound like a broken record. But one thing that I really appreciate about the firm is that it encourages each of us to find our passion and what we're good at and marrying it to the needs of the firm. And I am such a perfect example of that with the litigation support when I got my law degree and mm-hmm. got my law license. I didn't have to look anywhere else, right? It was like, I went to the EC and I said, I think I've got an idea of like building out of a, a true forensic litigation valuation group and here's my vision of it. And they were like, go for it, <laughs> you know? And, and I mean, Marisa did that with the EBP, David Phelps with the banking, Carrie Kilgore with the transaction Adv- advisory services. These are names of people that are just but a few of those that were able
2: to Yeah, that's all the uh, practice.
0: That, that's practice. Yeah. Well, and I
2: think you'll you'll discover as we just wrap up these last couple of minutes, you know, so I've had a podcast for a couple of years and I just launched a second one. And I've got to tell you, the favorite part of my whole week is when I see a podcast interview uh, coming up. And I think you are going to discover that there's it's a podcast interview is magic because you have the chance to really spotlight Somebody in a very uh, giving fashion, and you get to tell their story. And just something I don't know if you know, but I had John uh, Fladewitz on my podcast uh, early on. He was like my third or fourth guest. Oh, okay. And I received the nicest note from Johnny Vaselka. That Johnny listened to the podcast, and he said, "Dave, he said you have created the best oral history." That's awesome. Awesome. And what a,
0: and
2: what a, uh, what an honor that was because I'm such a big fan of the firm that I could play a role in uh, creating that. And, uh, so I think you'll, you'll find that, that same, uh, that same, uh, experience. And I think you'll also get the same energy and uh, satisfaction from being able to tell some of those stories and, you know, and before it's too late to tell those stories because
0: that's right. You know, that's live right. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I'm so excited and I really appreciate your, your insights. And I know that you had encouraged us to look at this and I'm glad that we're doing it. You know, um, no better time than the present, right? To get something started. So <laughs> really looking forward to what we can make of it.
2: Well, that is great. Well, with that, why don't we uh, wrap up? Was there anything that I didn't cover that you wish we had?
0: Uh, maybe maybe just the last point to write about the firm. I'm really excited about where we're headed. I didn't get a chance to share with you that, um, you know, a couple of years ago, we finally made it to the top 100 firm in the nation. Yeah. Um, we debuted at 91, um, actually 98 and then 91. And then at last, um survey this year, we're at 86. So I'm really awesome. excited. Yes. And it has provided such a tremendous um, opportunity for me to get more insight about what's happening in the profession, being part of now the major firm group of the AICPA. Yeah. And so it's really benefited us tremendously and given us tremendous visibility even at a national level. So a lot of exciting things happening and I owe it all to really our team that has worked so hard. I know we didn't even cover the pandemic and how that became a a growth opportunity for us and taught us to be taught us or showed us just how resilient we are. Um, But again, just really excited about the firm's prospects going forward. Well, that is awesome. I did not
2: realize. Oh, you're welcome. And I did not realize that the the latest ranking uh, at 86. So that is awesome. So if people want to learn more about you and the firm, I assume just going to the website, BVCPA.com. Yes, um, that's correct. Start, there it's can, actually been revamped. And,
0: yes. Yeah. Was that's just about what to I say, hear. We, yeah. We're excited to, we unveiled it not even, not, not even a month ago. And so we're excited um, and hopefully um, people can, can um, find it to be more interactive and also just, um, it has all of our service offerings and also our people.
2: That is awesome. I'll be sure to take a look at that. Well, Sheila, thank you again for the privilege of of letting me be a guest host on uh, this this brand new podcast. It's been a treat. And any time I can sit down with you or talk to you for a while, I always treasure it. So thank you.
0: Thank you, David. I really appreciate it. Have a great right. day. You have
1: a great day. You too.
0: Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye.
1: Thank you for listening to the Briggs and Veselka podcast. That's it for this episode. If you'd like to listen to past and future upcoming episodes, go to our website at bvccpa.com. Thank you.